Here's a sneak peek of this week's episode. In the early days of our relationship, we went with a group of friends to Japan. And then we, when we got married, we went to Fiji and New Zealand. And then after that, it just, it continued. Like, I think the more we had, the more we experienced it, the more we wanted it. I'm Scott. And I'm Melissa. And we are the Sunshine Travelers. Our passion is travel and sharing our experiences with those who enjoy it as much as we do, or those who want to learn more about travel, or even those that just want to live vicariously through our travel stories. No matter where you fall along that journey, get ready to hear about our firsthand experiences as we visit some of the most interesting and amazing places on earth. This week, we catch up with some dear friends that have been on their travel journey for a while now. They have literally traveled the world and are now slowing their travel down to have truly unique experiences in the places that they visit. So pack a bag and join us on a trip around the world with our friends, Mo and Erica. Well, today we're joined by Mo and Erica, and these are friends of ours that we've known for a while. We started following them. Well, let me take a step back. I actually used to work with Mo, so you know, we've known them for quite a while, but we started following their travel journeys several years ago when they did an epic travel trip that we're going to talk about today. And so Mo and Erica, welcome. Uh, glad to have you guys on the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks Scott for having us. Yeah. Super excited. So, you know, we have to ask, where in the world are you guys right now? Because you are all over the place. <laughs> so, yes, we, we've been all over. This has been a a busy travel year for us, but actually we're back home in Fort Lauderdale. I just got back last week from from India visiting my dad. My dad still lives in India, and we we actually left Fort Lauderdale on June 8th to to Europe, and then we spent about three months in Europe, and then we split ways. We did we did what we call the Camino de Santiago to end our uh, time in Europe, and then we split ways. She went, she came back home to the U.S., and I went to India to visit my dad, and we're back back home in FLL now. So yeah, my sister was having a baby, so I wanted to get back and be here for that and help her out and stuff. So I went and spent a couple of weeks with her and just returned just a couple of days ago from Charleston. Yeah, how exciting! So you know. Mo, when we were uh, working together, the last time we were together was in the UK. You guys lived in London for a while. And, um, you know, I just remember thinking back then, because I don't think that we had really gotten super into the travel thing yet. I know I was traveling a lot internationally for work, um, but I thought to myself, oh, wow, how do you ever get to the point where you just pick up and you know, move to another country like that. And I just remember thinking um, that uh didn't know anybody at the time that had ever done that. And so I thought it was quite interesting. But now, you know, we've been traveling a lot. We love it. And we really enjoy following you guys. And so I want to get into that. Um, you know, first of all, is there... um do you guys document your travels and uh, stuff like that? Is there somewhere where our listeners, if they wanted to follow along with you guys and see what we're talking about, where could they find you guys at? 
Sure. So actually, we have something on Facebook, or that's where we started it. It was called Route Finder, uh, since my name's uh, our last name is R A U T Route, so it's kind of like a play on words. So it's routefinder.com, facebook.com slash routefinder. We started this in 2013, Scott, when I know we were working together in London when we decided to uh, take a break from our corporate jobs and do a 11 month trip around the world so that's at that point i don't i don't even think you know instagram was actually that yeah. big then maybe maybe it was maybe it wasn't but it wasn't we i wasn't aware of it so so we I think melissa was probably the only person <laughs> yeah. on it at that yeah. time and it was photographs cool. right <laughs> just pictures and filters yeah. and all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff but yeah exactly so so yeah so we we had this web page called uh that's when we started Route Finder, just just so that we could uh, document our uh, travels. And for friends and fam- family mostly, it wasn't more than that, but mostly for us as well. So we could look back on this, what I would say, once in a lifetime journey that we're going, you know, embarking yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, but we're cool. now on Instagram. Too, <laughs> <Route> Finder. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I have to say, like after that. For that whole period of time, like I was just always like, look where Bo and Eric are. Did you see their post? And just so intrigued, you know, because our kids were, well, I guess our daughter had just graduated, but we had a son that was um, middle middle school going into high school, right? So we still had a you know, kid in school and stuff like that. So just so intrigued by your travels and you were able to do and everything you were able to see. Yeah, before we started that trip or those travels, you know, much like you, there were people actually that we didn't know that we followed their, their blogs, because it was all blogging at the time. Um, And, you know, drew a lot of inspiration from them. And I think also it encouraged us and helped us kind of gain the courage to just be able to step out and try it, see what happened. (laughs) So I guess for, for our listeners, just talk a little bit about about that trip because i remember specifically that you were in europe you started in europe and i remember you posting something about okay we're in switzerland and our bank account is like draining you know and now we're going to asia to where the money will stretch a little bit further and and things like that so i guess just tell tell everybody kind of over this 11 months what that looked like sure so it took a lot of planning let me just start that i think um since we were in europe it just made sense to rent a car and drive through europe and then the whole point was always to, at that point, we both had 280,000 plus Delta Sky Miles each. And Delta was given this amazing deal where you could fly one way around the world for 280,000 miles in business class. So, I mean, that's just unheard of. I mean, you know, that inspired the trip, trip. In, in, a, in a big way. Yeah, and they had a special dedicated around the world desk. I was friends with those guys. I had three people who who just knew like how many people were calling about this trip, right? So you spend hours with them planning the trip. They're telling you what the options are, and you just basically, you know, are part of the process in planning your trip with them. And uh, and that's that's what drove um, the uh, the inspiration behind the trip. Saying let's let's do this. We have a once in a lifetime chance because of the miles we've accumulated to to do something so amazing. And uh, that's what got us going. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think my brother is probably yelling at his phone right now because I think he just like 500,000 miles to get to Italy for one ticket. Um, yeah, and so. they don't do that round the world trip thing anymore. They must have been losing money on it. But with that being said, like there are, if people are interested in doing round the world trips, there are websites called airtrex.com. I think I've used that personally just to see how much a round the world trip would cost. And it builds you the itinerary, it tells you how much it would cost. It goes to various different uh, uh, the airline alliances and picks out the best flights for you. So I think that's a useful tool to just understand, to get your head around, okay, what would what would the journey cost? Yeah, so. Thanks, you know, Melissa needed one more thing to inspire her here. Um, I got a feeling if I don't hurry up into retirement, she's gonna do this trip without me, so. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, so we do want to come back to to that trip, but your journeys actually started before that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the things that got you inspired to, to travel internationally, right? I think, yeah, we, I think, go ahead. I mean, we both grew up traveling to some degree, but mine was, you know, I grew up in the United States and I, my parents went on vacations, but they were all domestic. I always, I don't know what it was, you know, about the, the thought of international travel, but even in elementary school, I was, I can remember writing a paper about wanting to go to Japan and wanting to like go to Australia. I don't know where that came from. I think it just seemed so different. So like that desire was kind of already there. And then you know, when we met, um, well, Mo growing up in India, he had an opportunity to travel actually some internationally because his dad was a flight attendant. And so he came to the U.S. at a very young age for visits and some other places as well. But then when we met, we both kind of already had a little bit of that love for travel. And in our in the early days of our relationship, we went with a group of friends to Japan. And then we when we got married, we went to Fiji and New Zealand. And then after that, it just it continued. Like, I think the more we had, the more we experienced it, the more we wanted it. And then, you know, that just segued into annual vacations. Every time we had, you know, time off of work, it was like, okay, where, where's the furthest place we can go? <laughs> Look, and you know, I'll be the first one to say like the most diverse, amazing country is the country we live in. But I feel like we can do that at a later stage when, I mean, right. they don't mind getting into uncomfortable situations, trying to, you know, communicate with somebody who doesn't speak our language, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's a little harder travel. So I'm like, do that while we still can and that was the inspiration as well let's do that while we're younger you know we can we can road trip to the u.s when you know when we're a little older because that, that's more comfort zone kind of thing so so that's that that was more inspiration like let's see the world now why wait yeah i think living in london also had a big impact on it as well as we had other opportunities both of us did to work in international places during our careers. So that's, we were fortunate there. And, and for longer stints, not necessarily like a business trip. Like I spent six weeks in India, Mo spent some time in Brussels. And I spent three months in Brussels. Yeah, yeah working. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, and then on top of that, we love food and the best, the best place to try, you know, the, the international cuisines is in the actual country. So that's a big part of it. And I don't talk about anything. 
Yeah, and just, of course, uh, Anthony Bourdain. I mean, how can you not? Like, if you just watch his shows, he just inspires you to to uh, explore the world that's around, experience the world that's around you. So just Anthony Bourdain, of course, was a huge, huge uh, influence. In, for us, really. For us, yeah. 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 I think he influenced a lot of people in, you know, to go out there and explore and see new things and try new things. And so. So I guess go through, like, I guess just high level. So then go through kind of where, where all that trip, that round the world trip touched and how, and maybe I guess those air, those airline stops that you did and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. I mean, your trip is fairly simple. We rented a car out of Paris and then we did France. We did Italy, Switzerland, Germany, Germany and Spain. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a month. It was a month long. And my dad actually came and were part, part of it. It was, it exceeded all expectations. Like I wasn't big on Germany. I'm like the food. I mean, yes, the sausages are great. And I know about the Rhine, the wines like Riesling, super sweet, but it just exceeded all my expectations. The, the castles were just mind blowing. So like, if you ever think of, if you ever get a chance to go to Germany, I would say, take it, do it. Like, you know, I think it often gets overlooked. Yeah. Other than like Italy and other European destinations always take precedence, but I think Germany is massively underrated. There's so, a route in Germany called yeah. the Romantic Road, and that had inspired a trip for me and my girlfriends uh, probably a year or two before right. I mo. So we went back and kind of redid some of that together. And it's just, it's all those castle towns and it's just beautiful. It's all through Bavaria. Yeah, so, so I, I grew up going to Germany in the summers. And so we had friends that lived there and we would go stay with them. And since my mom worked for the airlines, it was free to fly. And, you know, but that, that was back when we had to put on a (laughs) coat and tie to to fly, you know, as a (laughs) non-road. Yeah. I too was blown away our last trip to Germany and the food, how good the food was and how fresh and like it was, so just amazing food there. And I was surprised at that as well. They, you know, Germany doesn't crack the top three of like, when you say, where do you want to go to Europe? I mean, Germany won't be there. And I think, you know, people need to have a second look at it. I think it's really um, good. And then from from Europe, then we made it to Australia. We only spent two, we- two weeks in Australia. We didn't do it justice just because the exchange rate was terrible at that time in 2013 the australian dollar was one for one so like a coffee was like five to six dollars pizza was twenty dollars just to give you some point of reference because this was 10 years ago. it was 10 years ago the us dollar wasn't doing great so we spent only two weeks there but then we went to new zealand and spent a month and i think that was amazing Uh, we rented a car in the south island so and just drove around, stayed in campsites. Six weeks. Six weeks, actually, not even a month. And uh, I think, I think that was uh, just, I would say, one of the best highlights of our our round world trip. If anybody's thinking of going to New Zealand, do it. The Rent scenery is yeah. just stunning, and yeah. I mean, we basically spent our time driving from one place to the next. But then we'd have like two or three days in between, and we'd go on like hikes. long treks or hikes, and it's just, yeah out of this world beautiful and so you camp so what did you camp or like what was the setup for that that's yeah. a great question so basically there are i think almost like state-owned campsites and you get a, a pass, not state-owned, but, but it's like there's a network of yeah. campsites and you can buy like a membership which we did because we were realizing that we're staying at these places all the time at the time 
everybody that we'd known that had done it was renting a camper van, but we were, that was expensive. So we opted to, we actually ended up with a station wagon and we thought we could sleep in it if we had to, if we were in a real bind. Mostly we stayed in these campsites in these little, very basic cabins, just a room with a bed. And then you had access to the shared bathrooms and the shared kitchens, which were like immaculately clean. I mean, amazing. And that kept it very economical for us, much more so than the expense of, you know, gasoline on a camper van. Yeah. Yeah, And that's kind of, we've stayed in some places like that, even in Alaska too. Yeah. 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 A lot more affordable. Yeah. And I mean, if you're traveling for 11 months, you're, you're not going to stay in a five-star hotel every night. That's for week-long vacation. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And And then I wanted to back up and just say that our Delta around the world ticket, the Europe part, obviously we had some little flights here and there. We got ourselves back to the United States and we, we departed out of Atlanta and that the first flight was to Australia because we were allowed like 16 segments and six stops. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we used it for the big ones, the long ones. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so because then it's cheaper class. to, yeah, yeah go here and there also, on some little small flights. Yeah. yeah. And also for, for anyone listening, like Star Alliance, like these networks also have their own variations of round the world trips. So if you go to Star Alliance's website, and they will allow you to build an itinerary through their network itself. So it's slightly more restricted. You can only fly United and its partners, but and it'll tell you how much it costs or how many miles it would take to do it. So it's not as elaborate as what Delta was offering, but there are other options out there, like a little more dummy down versions of those. So yeah. Yeah. So, so you kind of hinted on it a little bit. You use that for your long segments and stuff. But then once you got to areas like you know, Asia and stuff like that, you could travel regionally. Yeah, and very inexpensive. Exactly, all the little flights. So basically after New Zealand, we were tired of bank account draining down. And the next stop was Southeast Asia. So from New Zealand, we went to Thailand. And we used Bangkok oftentimes for a hub. Like we we spent lots of nights at this one double tree in Bangkok and they started like welcoming us back by name. Because <laughs> we just used it like as a hub for all those Southeast Asia flights. But Thailand, we were there for a month. Um, and we kind of stayed put there. We only spent time in two different towns, Koh Samui and Koh Lanta. So one was kind of on the eastern side, you know, beach yeah. towns, and one was on the left, low western side. Yeah. So we did Thailand, we did Vietnam. Vietnam was, uh, again, another place that just exceeded expectations. So I, we were a little skeptical going there um, just as because as, a, as Americans. So like, you know, and we weren't season travelers there so i was we were telling people that we're from canada like just to be safe like, i don't know how they would treat us and stuff but um it was most wel- welcoming warm people that you would meet and it was destinations that just left a mark in my mind about just wanting to go back like i'm yeah. longing to go back to vietnam so i think i would recommend that i think the food there is delicious and it's it's so cheap it's uh, it's and cheap. beautiful scenery yeah. there again. Yeah, one of the things yeah. that, again, a little silly fact, but you can get four-cent beers, basically. You can get a 
pint nope. of beer for four cents. So that, that should give you a point. <laughs> right. Yeah. How good the beer is, don't ask me, but hey, but when you're on a budget, four cents beers work. Right? Yeah. 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 So. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and so you guys finished up this trip and now you're doing something a little bit different. And because in this case, you were moving around a lot, right? Not staying in any one place for really long time. Our goal is to at least stay three days because we felt like at least then you don't feel like you're just constantly moving. But, you know, three days is a pretty fast pace, too. We talked about that. Melissa and I were just chatting the other day. It's often when we go to places like this, we miss out on one of the benefits of Marriott offers is the stay four nights, get the fifth night free, right? But because right. we're moving around so much, yeah. we miss out on that. And so we've even said that we need to start slowing down just a little bit and take advantage of it because that's a great benefit. Yeah. And just to clarify, that's if you book with points through yeah. the site. Great. And, and Hilton's program and, is the same. And Hilton does it okay. too. So okay. And Hilton do it. So for Hilton. Because we've tried to yeah, take advantage well, of that sometimes yeah. on the bigger redemptions, like yeah. the more luxury type properties, like get night free yes. yeah absolutely I mean, cuz yeah. like think about it you're you're staying 3 nights yeah. so you're just one you know yeah. one yeah. night away from getting that that free one and so um, and especially if you have status it's such you get the all those perks. the breakfast and you know so that all adds up as well so it is absolutely it does yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah we try to always make sure to take advantage of that when they offer it because that's a that's a great perk it is. Yeah. So, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think just uh, to end it, so from your, uh, from Southeast Asia, we spent some time in India uh, with my dad. We did some local trips within India, then went to Turkey. I think uh, Turkey was great. We spent about three, three weeks. I think so. Three weeks in Turkey. And then from Turkey, we went to Argentina. Uh, that was a long flight, but spent some time in Argentina and then we ended the uh, the closing was basically an all-inclusive in uh, Jamaica so we ended our trip before into, going before back, back to, to work real, and back to reality yeah, so, <laughs> so that was it at that time in, in our lives we said if money was um, unlimited we would continue to travel so we wouldn't have stopped but then you know like of course everybody has constraints and you know we had to come back to uh, to work but uh, so mm-hmm. A lot of people have asked us this, like saying, okay, is that out of your system? At that point, they were just like, okay, now are you done with that? All right. And my answer is no. No, it's, build it's, it. Yeah. So it's, I just wanted to throw that out there. because It wasn't a checklist. It's more a way of doing things for us. So yeah. I think that's what happened with us. We took that six-week trip. Yeah. That's and, <laughs> and once we took that, it was game on, like, this is this has got to happen more, yeah. right? We we need this in our lives. It it really just, you know, we both just came back probably looking ten years younger because we had gone through so much. You know, we'd sold a house, our our son had graduated. You know, we moved to a new house, and we just we had a million things that were in the fire of starting a new job and you know, had wrapped up one that, you know, was just, it was stressful. And so, you know, then you get out there and I literally didn't talk 
about work for six weeks. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we just relaxed and, you know, by the time we ended up at our, our friend's wedding in the UK, you know, they were like, look at you two, you know, <laughs> like this big permanent smile on your face. Scott kept saying, yeah, where well, I'm ready to go home and whatever. And I guess I was like, I guess he's just trying to talk himself into this or convince himself <laughs> that or something. Cause he was like, you mean you could keep traveling? And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we had to come see Lottie. Well, <laughs> in Palmer, too. we yeah. just moved close to Palmer. So we had to, yeah. Be near her too. So yeah. So um kind of mentioned it just a little bit ago, but now you guys are doing something totally different in your travel. Yeah. And so yeah, you want to talk about that? Sure. I think uh you know I'll start. Yeah. Basically we're trying to be you know, we're doing something we call slow travel, at least slow to us. So we we try to really explore a place and you know, try to live in one place for at least for a month and truly try to can never be locals, but be as familiar with the place, try to understand it, try to develop a routine. Even. Is so, so just for an example, like if we go to a place and we stay there for a month, we don't feel the need to do every single touristy thing in and around that area because I'm like, a local do a local would live his life go to the local market you know kind of get coffee at a certain place so that routine that erica was talking about just build that and try, uh, see if we you know how that place speaks to us so rather than just going at you know a million miles a minute yeah and, that's not to say we don't do still spend some time like doing day trips and like mostly in the local area to see what tourist things are there you know correct. but that's not the well first of all you don't have to do it in like two or three days yeah. <laughs> which is nice and then second of all that's not the primary thing i think just experiencing the culture and the place like you said to see what speaks yeah. to you about it correct so awfully we've done go ahead it's funny that you mentioned that because i remember when we had dinner with you guys in london two things really you were like oh what have you done and we we're like we did this and we did this and we went to the cathedral and we went to the tower of london we've done this and yeah and i think eric was like we haven't even done all that stuff yet i think we've been there like three days and then the second thing was i think something about like we had we had taken the underground because we're very familiar with it and i think you guys had assumed like oh they had taken a taxi or something we're like no we've got our we've got our oyster card you know and, and all that kind of stuff so you know kind of mixing those two things we do try to hit Hit all the, you know, the see the, the, the touristy things. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to reach way back, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I know. Now you don't even need an oyster yeah, card. But, it, no. but London is one of those cities where it almost forces you to go like a million yeah, miles. I mean, there's so, so much. much to see, so yeah. much to do. And yeah, there's never enough time to explore it. I, and, we still see, see and do new things every time yeah. we go. And we probably see. made six trips or so. <laughs> yeah. And we always revisit, you guys there. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. revisit and do favorites, and, but yeah. then we we oftentimes do new things too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Speaking of slow travel, our Europe trip started with two weeks in London, actually, and we had an Airbnb just outside of London. And you know, then again, to your point, there's so much to see, so much to do in London. It is never a dull moment. So, but uh, yeah, it, it's a little different the way we approached it this time, though. Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you want to talk a little bit about 
the summer? Sure. Um, Melissa, do you have a question? Or, no, no, no. Uh, Go ahead. That, so, yeah, just a rough so, idea. Of what? Yeah, just we spent two weeks in London and then we went to Croatia. We spent a month in uh, a small town called Zadar. It's uh, it's maybe like the third or fourth biggest city out there. If if you haven't done Croatia, I think you know it's the best way for me to explain Croatia at least it's Italy at half the cost and half the crowds, but just as pretty. So in some cases, maybe prettier. It's um, the uh, basically geographically, it's just on the other side of the. Um, Adriatic. Uh, the Adriatic. So if you across look at it, it's, uh, you could literally take a boat across and go. There to are Italy. actually some ferries that go like between right. Venice and Croatia. Uh, so we spent a month there, and Zadar is this little magical island that is somehow just not being hit as bad with tourists as like something like Dubrovnik or Split, which are the other cities that the Game of Thrones basically um, right. a lot of it was filmed there. Yeah. So, you know, there are so many tours and tourists coming there. It's it's the infrastructure is not uh, equipped to handle that much influx of tourists, especially during the summer month. So we really enjoyed our time in Zadar. I think the cost of living is very affordable. We had a uh, a one bedroom little Airbnb, Airbnb and like historic city center walking distance to everything. Yep. And we spent like thousand dollars for the month. For the month, and so we we did small trips from from Croatia. We did go to Split, which is one of the more popular tourist destinations, and we have some of, beautiful national parks there. So we we visited one of those, and would like to go back and visit the other ones. So well. a month in Croatia, I think that to 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 us is almost should be part of our annual rotation. I mean, you know, there are some places you want to go back to and some places you want to explore. I think Croatia for, for us is going to be like one that has to be part of every year if we if we can manage it. It'll I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because we kind of have a few places like that as well. And mm-hmm. uh sometimes we feel guilty about going back to them yeah. because you know we want to see more Right. They're just some of our favorite places, and yeah. I don't know if you guys have spent much time in like Greece and the islands. We have not we've Greece. never been to Greece. Yeah, yeah. There's so many yeah. places. Is, is Greece one of those? Like, uh, you would it's say. one of those. Yeah, okay. yeah I it's similar, right? Where it's not nearly as expensive, and you can find places that aren't quite as touristy, and that was what we love. So, yeah. like, you know, dinner you could get a liter of wine for like four or five bucks, right? It's crazy. So, um, you know, really affordable. I thought the, you know, great food, very affordable. I didn't think like the housing and, and stuff like that was super expensive. So, yeah. but you so know, you got to get outside of the, the you know, you're not going to find that in um, Santorini and Mykonos. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're just going to have smaller islands. Yeah. So then from Croatia, what was next? Next, we went to Bulgaria and we stayed in Sofia for, I think we were there 35 days, so a little longer. And it was even even more favorable from a cost perspective than than Croatia even was. And it was also an excellent place to um, do a couple other like small trips or short trips to other places. For one, just because the airport was very com- convenient, is well connected with lots of Ryanair and Wizz Air flights mm-hmm. going out of it. So very inexpensive from that perspective as well. But being a capital city, you still had 
a lot to offer in terms of culture and sites to see, but also as well as, you know, diverse dining opportunities and, and some very nice dining at a lower price point. So that was nice. And we really did kind of develop a routine there. Really we, enjoyed it. We did go to Belgrade from there. Old college friend of mine was lives in Belgrade, now he's Serbian. So we did a little road trip. And then the other excursion we took was we went to Malta from, from Sofia for a couple of nights, Hilton Points and Malta that was, was pretty incredible. Too. So like just, you know, calling Sofia home base and just doing this little side, side trips were just fantastic. Yeah. So we kept the Airbnb all the way through. So it's like, you know, we could yeah. pack yeah. even lighter and, you know, just so, take the things we needed for that little trip. Take that one little backpack on Ryan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your baggage fees, that's for sure. Yeah. So and, then how, so you mentioned like the markets, are there other ways that you kind of tried to immerse yourself in the culture or get to know like the neighborhood, the people? Yeah. So one thing about the people, I'll, I'll just start with that is you'd be surprised how well people speak English in Bulgaria and Croatia. So, because, you know, even personal experience, like when you go to Italy, they want it's more Italian and they speak English, but maybe in Rome and stuff, but in Croatia, the English is fluent in Bulgaria, in Sofia, people speak great English. So it's it's so it's surprising to, you know us as at least me as an american here not very familiar with the the uh the baltic block if you will i don't know what to expect going in i know croatia's not but um the uh bulgaria is and i think i think so it's easier to communicate it's easier to assimilate like you can have a conversation in a coffee shop or a grocery store very easy walking tours are in english so you to answer your question melissa like how do you assimilate yourself First thing you do is you go on a free walking tour and it's in English and it tells you where to go, what places to eat at. So that's, that's always a good starting point, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good to know. And then um, before we move on to the next destination, what do you do? Like, are there visa requirements and how long you can stay places? I guess for somebody who's thinking about doing something like this, like what, how, how do you learn about that kind of stuff? A great, great question. Actually, there is some thinking that needs to go behind this because the Schengen countries, I think there are, and I could be wrong, 26 countries, and they, you can only visit the Schengen countries for a period of 90 days within a 180 day period. So 90 days combined. Combined. So Croatia is part of that. UK not anymore with Brexit, but the rest of the EU, if you will, the Germanys, the Italys, they all count towards your 90 days if you stay there. So. A lot of people do this, and Bulgaria is not part of the EU yet. So when you stay in Bulgaria, it doesn't hit towards your 90 days in the Schengen. So so that's something, you know, if you want to spend a lot of time in Europe, you have to be mindful of, of not overextending your stay. So just do your research on, you know, what countries are part, part of the Schengen that count towards your 90 days in a 180-day period, and what countries are not. Yeah, and yeah. then go spend some time, time in the there. ones that are not where you can easily get back and forth. Yeah. Gotcha. And then there are going to be new requirements, visa requirements starting in 2024. That's, right. Yes. I think uh, it's an electronic uh, per- permit to enter. Yeah. yeah. You know, they've been talking about that we since 2020. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. And every year they've pushed it, but I think now they're talking 2024 to have that. Yeah. So just if you're listening to this in early 2024, going in early 2024, it's supposed to be sometime. I think it's really going to happen this time, but it's it's like $8 and you do it online and it's supposed to be pretty quick, but I would just try to make sure that you do it in time. And then, of course, like you're saying, just make sure you understand if you're doing a longer trip, you know what your requirements are. But that's a great tip, right, to know, okay, how can we extend our time and, and make those 90 days work? Yes. And but that I, also for, you- uh, I, I want to say it's an extended amount of time that that, that travel. Oh, yes. It's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. yeah I think too. Yeah. yeah and then from there, what was, what was next? So from Bulgaria, we did the, we went to Porto. Portugal, which is where we started the uh, the Camino de Santiago, um, which is uh, basically a um, uh, yeah, it's a it's just a network of pilgrims' way or ways or routes that lead to the shrine of Saint James, the Apostle Saint James, which is in the Cathedral of Santiago Compostela, and that's in Santiago, Spain. So the the route that we choose started in Porto, and. It was 280 kilometers, roughly 170 miles from Porto to uh, to Santiago, and you know we just uh, we took minimal uh, travel here. Yeah, so then, there's even service like luggage service. So yeah. we the night before we started, we stayed at a Hilton property, and we left our bag with them, and we'd arranged a luggage courier to take it to our hotel at the final stay. So we carried only you know very small number of items knowing that we would need to do laundry along the way minimizing because you're carrying your bag there are also bag services where if you don't want to carry your bag they will porter it to each stay for you um so you can always have your stuff with you but not have to carry it so um huge the just in general the camino is just so well organized i mean you have to you have to choose how you're going to do it but in terms of services and everything that's available to all the help that's available to pilgrims is just excellent for you know one of these multi-day journeys nothing like i've talked to some folks that you know have have hiked parts of like the appalachian trail and you know it's nothing like that because very much more on your own in that scenario so it's also i think easier yeah i ask that is like you know from a if someone's listening to this kind of a, um, you know, level of effort or whatever, uh, what's this trail versus say the Appalachian trail? So I think the Camino truly is like one of the most unique walks in the world where, uh, you will see people of all ages and all abilities do it because it allows you to, um, you know, do it at your own pace and there's enough infrastructure and support system around it to where you will never be, um, you know, in, in trouble. For far from help. Far, yeah. far from help. So we've seen folks that are, you know, multiple folks that are 80 plus doing it. We're seeing folks that are 20 year old solo backpackers doing it. So the range is you just, you know, the entire breadth of, the age demographic is covered in the Camino and it's quite inspirational. So yeah, yeah. that is definitely Uh, a huge inspiration. So you don't have to be in uh, marathon running shape by any stretch, but I think there is some level of elevation on some days. So you have to be somewhat, uh, you know, 
okay to to have those climbs okay. but outside of that it's not going to be super difficult yeah, yeah. You would... so i was watching your your journey and it sounded to me like going to disney with melissa <laughs> yeah. that amount of so how much did you yeah so how much did you cover like how long did it take and then how much did you cover every day so we because uh, we were in europe and i'm just going to talk in kilometers for a second so it was 280 kilometers. We did that in 11 days. So we averaged around 26 kilometers a day. I think that comes about 18 miles, give or take. Um, we front loaded ours a lot. So we were doing 30, 30 plus in the beginning just to get a little. 30 kilometers. Yeah, uh, okay. get ahead of the curve. But also I would say we did it a little. Our pace was faster than average. And had we had more time, I probably would have slowed it down a little bit just so we could enjoy the towns a little bit more along the way. So that would be a tip, I would say. I think 14 days to do what we did would be more enjoyable if you had the time, but we were crunched for time. So it can be done in a faster period if that's all you've got. Yeah. What is, do you know what the average is? Do a lot of people take like a whole month or like anywhere between a couple of weeks to a month? So 14 for our route? Yeah. It, okay. It's route specific. The, the original one, I believe, is from France, France into yeah. uh, Santiago, and that's like 700 kilometers. So that takes about a month. Yeah. 30 to 40 days is the average okay. time. But, so this okay. was just okay. about 170 miles, and people say 13 to 14 days So is, is the average time to cover it. Yeah. The other so thing I'll yeah. warn you, too, is we were told that for most people, once you do one, you want to do it again. So just be forewarned. Yeah. And we didn't believe it, but now we're talking like, about it. We got right. home and we were like, Camino was still on our mind. Like, yeah. I started already thinking like, when would we do it again? Right. What would we do again? Yeah. You know? We have to go with you then. So you can have <laughs> yeah, it yeah. the next and time. Would, we'll tag along. I would strongly recommend like uh, doing it in September when we did it because the weather is just perfect. I think a lot of the vloggers I've seen who do it, I mean, you know, it's not fun in the rain and there's, you know, you have to do it through rainy conditions and in the summer it gets really hot. So uh, summer, I mean, September was just perfect for but us. But that said, yeah. it is something you can do year round. Yeah. Right. And, and you're walking oh. mostly through towns and stuff like that, right? You're not out in the mountains hiking on, you know, very little. There, yeah. there is some of that, like, uh, and the it also depends on the route you choose. There's so many options, but again, for first timers, I would recommend the one we did, the coastal route. First of all, it's it's a little easier, but it's also just stunning and gorgeous mm -hmm. views, and you're walking a lot of it along the coast. So, to your point, it's not you know not a lot of elevation on many of the days. There are some days where you where the route takes you into like some pine forests and things like that. So you do spend some time in forests and you, there is, I'd say more, you know, pretty, pretty big elevation gains. Yeah. And just the people you meet, I mean, uh, you know, the friends you make along the way, because you overlap them every now and then you're spending the night in the same town. So you end up having dinner and a drink with them, sharing experiences Stories. of the day. So, and you know, it's, it's truly global, right? Like, so, yeah. and, uh, a lot of Americans, but people from everywhere in the world are there, and they all have their own stories to tell and why they've done it. So, so it's it's truly a fascinating, you know, it brings the world together kind of experience. So, I'm ready. Cool. Let's go. Ready? You can have a whole podcast just talking to people on the El Camino, right? Yeah. 
And so you can't beat Portugal. And from what I understand then is that because you're close by those towns, like it literally is like there's accommodations yeah. all along the way. And that's designed for that, which makes it so much different from, like you said, the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, they have a whole network of albergues, which are like the the hostels that some are privately owned, but they even have publicly owned. So they're very inexpensive, like to get a bed there. We opted to stay in private accommodations and we didn't actually stay in any albergues. We, we wanted private bathroom. We wanted to be able to, you know, like stretch out and relax a little bit after a long day of walking. And when you're two people traveling together, it's still pretty economical to to have one room. If you're a solo, I probably would do more of the albergues one because you'd have, you know, people to talk with and spend the downtime with or share a meal with, but to just the expense perspective. Right. And just on that note, yeah, for us, I think, you know, we would always plan the day before at least on where we're going to target and try to book an accommodation there. Because I think both of us work to where I like a target in mind. You know, the last thing I want to do is is walk for, you know, 20 miles and the places are full. So they'll be like, you have to go to the next five town. Five more just miles. Five more miles down the road. Like mentally, rather know where I'm going. So so that's that's how it's just. Yeah, that's good to know. So that's yeah. also interesting because we've had a couple of people ask, like, what, like, how would you travel solo or what would that look like? I mean, it sounds like if you were active and would enjoy doing something like that, that that's a great trip because then you would end up not really traveling by yourself. Yes. And it's totally also just from like a solo female travel traveler perspective. It's super safe. You know, yes, solo female travelers, we, we encountered many. There's nothing to be concerned about because that's always something I think about, you know, just from a safety yeah. perspective. But, um, you know, no... I haven't yet heard one bad story. So it's good to know that's something that we can definitely share then as a, a tip or a destination. Correct. So what's next for you guys? So, well, I was going to say next is a cruise that we were planning on in early December. We were going, we, we, we got that through some status match creative status match. Yeah, thank uh, you. We got, we got one too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I saw that. That's amazing. So, and you're leaving. Well, they're also going to Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. So we've got to take a few tips from you guys about the Bahamas too and the Atlantis. Yeah. Cause I knew that was something we That's could this do weekend. as well, but we haven't cashed in on that <laughs> one yet. <laughs> so, so that was, that was planned for early December, but uh, we might be going to Japan on Tuesday, on Tuesday, just trying to, uh, you know, take advantage of a buddy pass for, from Delta. I think it just, you know, buddy pass is standbys only, subject to load, and looks like the flights are favorable. So if the stars align, that's with, what we're doing. For, <laughs> yeah. You can never have too much ramen, I'll tell you that. So, yeah. <laughs> and so you, if you get to do that, then how long? Are you'll stay just, for a month or several weeks? Or? Just a week, I think. You know, it's okay. holiday season and come back family year for Thanksgiving such so uh, yeah so we'll be going for a week yeah so we well, so if that worked out for you you gotta let us know because we usually can get a hold of some buddy passes okay yeah we'll let you know we will I'll tell you exactly how this experience goes because it was the first time for yeah. us to do it as well so, I mean, there's, yeah. it sounded like you know we were talking to you guys earlier it sounded like you have a plan not going from one of the world's busiest airports which is a problem so yeah yeah, yeah. 
that's step one. Yeah, don't tell her secrets. <laughs> yeah, don't tell everybody, right? <laughs> Keep I didn't say where. I just said you're not going from one of the world's busiest airports. <laughs> and then what else? You have anything else planned? Yeah. Or yes, I think so. I I don't know if uh, I grew up playing tennis, and I came to the U.S. Uh, to play college tennis. So I'm a big tennis fan. So I've done Wimbledon. I've done the U.S. Open. I've done the French Open. The only one of the big four Grand Slams missing is the Australian Open. So that's been on the bucket bucket list. So the opportunity presented itself to uh, for us to use some miles and go to to Melbourne in in January. So so that's the next. Thank I would you. say big trip that's planned for us to see the Australian Open and and uh, go to Australia. Yeah. And yeah. we're trying this year, last year we planned a lot, like we planned a lot, but we felt like we missed out on some of like the opportunities to do a little more travel hacking, like with some good points redemptions and stuff on flights because we had planned so much. So we're, we're, we're just not planning as far out. So after that, we're going to go to India, see Bo's dad. And also we've got two friends from the U S coming to visit us and, tour around for two weeks while we're there and then we the rest is a question mark <laughs> yeah. well just talk to melissa she can fill it up for you <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it sounds like and just for everybody you know listening too is that you really have been able to capitalize a lot on your travel by using um, airline points and just keeping an eye out for that and stuff like that so is that a way I guess, like people say, travel hacking, like with the welcome bonuses and stuff like that, but then also just your day-to-day spending on a credit card. So then you earn points and and take advantage of that because it's available. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think we do that. We're still not as uh, as good as I want us to be. I think there's still a lot of room for improvement, but we're still learning in the ways. But, you know, we've already reaped a lot of benefits. For example, I took the longest flight in the world getting back to the U.S. from Singapore to Newark in business class for, you know, 87,000 points, basically, in business class. And on that one, that one's interesting because he didn't have the points, so he bought the points. Buying the points was cheaper than buying the flight. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah, Yeah. that is crazy. And oftentimes you will see not only on the airline miles, but also on the hotels, if you look at the points value, like it's like, way less and sometimes you'll see oh i could stay at a marriott or a jw marriott or whatever for the same as something the points would cost for like a courtyard or spring hill suites and it's like oh well, i'm gonna go with this other one but the price difference right is huge Absolutely. so just just being aware of that and looking out for those deals yeah and on that point too for the listeners that are thinking or wanting to do more international travel and have points point redemptions at hotels are so much better outside of the u.s so we don't ever use our points in the U.S. We use them when we go somewhere else, usually. I won't say never, but, you know, right. just being mindful of what is a good points redemption. And if it doesn't make sense to use points, just go ahead and pay that cash. I mean, that's what we do. Get on that credit card and get more points, right? Yeah, we look at it and we say, is this a good option or not? If it's not, we're going to save them for later. Yeah, and just one, one more thing for the user, like if you have, the, uh, the chase card which basically most you know is the gold standard if you will for for credit card ba- uh, brands when it comes to points chase is one of the only ones that transfers to hyatt and and so i think the best value in my opinion for points redemption comes out of Hyatt because they have standard mm-hmm. rates 
it's not dynamic pricing. So and their lowest example, room is thirty five hundred. Thirty five thousand. Our mm-hmm. lowest is thirty five hundred. So For we stayed. Night. We stayed at the Park Hyatt in Tokyo, which is the uh, lots in Translation Hotel where the whole Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson thing was filmed. That point was going for about fifteen hundred USDs a night, and we spent thirty five thousand points to spend one night in there. So, you know, that's just value you can't beat. So, you know, it's for thirty five thousand on yeah, a like room in yeah, Orlando exactly. at the Hampton yeah. Inn. So, I think just uh, you know, a tip for your viewers: yeah. like the high points carry in most cases the best value. Um, when it comes to hotel redemption yeah and we're not hyatt loyalists at all we don't have any status with hyatt because it's just not one we've been able to attain but you know we're hilton people but it it is the best from that point of redemption perspective so i think what people really need to like know understand pay attention to is that you could literally travel internationally sometimes for cheaper than you can take a trip in the u.s if you can cash in some of these you know, miles and then yeah. you know, the I mean, hotels listen, and things listen like that. Listen to what he's saying. He, yeah. 87,000 miles, he flew business mm-hmm. class, right? Mm-hmm. On, long- on that long flight. And 87,000 miles is to Phoenix or something like that, right? Yeah, we, we're yeah. really late to the game on this whole points thing. I mean, like we, the reason we had all those Delta points was because we were living in Atlanta at a time and we had a Delta credit card and we flew Delta a lot. But now we've learned that it's really better to have a card like a Chase. And I mean, we've got several of them where they have multiple transfer partners and you can look for the best price. Like we flew to London this year one way for 10,000 points on Virgin. I mean, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Virgin is very nice airline. If you value it, it one yeah. cent per point which is what most people do it's a hundred dollars yeah wow yeah right yeah. Yeah. so we do have a few questions that we like to ask at the end of each interview throw those out there what is some advice for people that want to travel the world i would just say do it do it now i think we're at a place where the information is at your fingertips you can you can there is no unknown unknowns out there you and it is travel is going to be safer than you think i think that's less expensive less, less, less expensive than you think and and way more fun than you think so <laughs> i will i think so just if you have the ability to do it don't wait on it do it now so yeah that's great yeah. and then secondly is what's your favorite place that you've ever visited for me I always say New Zealand because it really is. I mean, I do love it. We've only been there twice, but amazing. But every time I'm in Thailand, it just like pulls at my heart. There's something about Thailand that's just so magical to me. So, I mean, I can't, I think from a, from an ongoing visitor or as a tourist, New Zealand, but as a slow traveler, Thailand. I think for me, four months out of the year, Croatia. (laughs) The other eight months, not so much, but summer and shoulder season, I think nothing comes close. And and I agree with Erica. I think Thailand is just special. It is just a special place. Yeah. So for Croatia, it would be, so what What four months? May to September. Even okay. touching October, if you will. I think the summer months get so super hot and, and the tourists are, you know, 
full throttle, but yeah. But yeah, if you do shoulder season, it's May, June, yeah. September, yeah, October. Yeah. Just then those at the beach. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. 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 So and then um, finally, just one thing, if people are sorry, debating, I would say go on go the back end. because the water is going to be slightly warmer. <laughs> then May, because May you just can't get in. It's a little, a little cooler. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's about it. Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing here for us. On you know being on the Atlantic, right? Is uh, those early season season yeah. days, the the weather outside may be beautiful, but the water yeah. is really cold. So. <laughs> and then, so what's still on your bucket list? Where do we begin? <laughs> a lot the of top, I guess maybe top three each. How about that. Okay. You want me to go? Yeah, you go. A couple of things you guys have done that is on our bucket list. So I'm gonna, that's the easy Alaska and uh, Galapagos. That's two. And then uh, I want to do Antarctica. So Ushuaia and, and down. So, yeah, I think uh, just talk We're going to talk about that because that's on our list of near nearby, not too far in the distant future. So oh, let's let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah, we'd yeah. love to to do that trip with you guys. It would be amazing. Yeah. I would say the same. I mean, we're on the same page, I think, from that perspective. I mean, there's other things too, obviously. But yeah, I think... Uh, they'll you know, come in time. A closed, closed port as the Machu Picchu. I think, you know, it's always been something that has excited us, uh, you know, to do it. Yeah. Yes, I want... That's on my list as well, yeah. so yeah. for sure. <laughs> Well, Mo and Erica, thank you for coming on one of those situations where we could probably sit here and talk for four or five hours easily, but we thank you for taking the time to to come and talk to us. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Route Finder. I highly encourage you to go out and just follow their, their journeys because I am so inspired by some of the places that these guys go and Melissa and I talk about it all the time. Our bucket list is ever growing because of them. So, and it's R A U T finder. And I'll put the link um, to those in the show notes as well. And I think you, you've really given us some great tips, like for all kinds of different travel, right? How to afford it, where to go, like what to be aware of. And um, so we appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for having us on, on, on your podcast i think it's been it's yeah. been great yeah. we enjoyed it yeah i think we've got a couple of more episodes where we need you guys back but, uh, <laughs> we look forward to it sounds, sounds good. good maybe we can do one in person from some uh some place we travel <laughs> there's an idea yeah uh, i i have travel equipment that i can bring with me so, <laughs> so. yeah we did we did yeah. puerto rico from puerto rico um, so we took in the John. in St. John. So we took the equipment there and recorded uh, live from those places. But very cool. That is cool. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. These guys are part of mine and Melissa's inspiration for travel. We have been following their travels now for almost a decade. As you heard in the interview, many of the things that are on our bucket list were inspired by their travel experiences. As always, we want to encourage you to share your travel stories with us. We love to hear from you and get many ideas from the stories that you share. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll find some inspiration to help you with your travel journeys. Please consider going on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. The more five-star reviews we have, the more likely we are to be featured and discovered by others. Make sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new episodes as they are released. You can also find us on Instagram as Sunshine Travelers Podcast. Remember that's travelers with one L. Most importantly, share it with your friends and help them catch the travel bug. You never know, they may become your greatest travel companions.